Hey everybody, this is Kim Blackwell and Louis Extravaganza and this is Work, Work, the podcast. Voices for the voices that go unheard. Hey everybody, Louis Extravaganza here and along with my fabulous co-host Kim Blackwell, we want to wish you guys health, safety and serenity during this crazy time. Remember, we are all in this together, so take good care of yourselves and be kind and of service to others. Please support your local businesses whenever possible. Our sponsor, Oscars of Palm Springs, had to temporarily shut their doors due to the current pandemic, and we look forward to them opening their doors soon. Not too long ago, Kim and I took a trip to Oscars where we had the pleasure of interviewing the fabulous Sandra Bernhardt. This comedic powerhouse was super gracious with her time, and we were able to speak about her amazing career, which spans over 30 years. This is our conversation with the legendary Sandra Bernhardt. Let's start with the beginning, which you started in stand-up, right. doing, playing black clubs. Well, yes, with, with, Paul, with Paul Mooney. How did that relationship start? That started because of the very first night I ever got up on stage in a semi-professional setting. Not a professional setting, but it was an open mic night at the Ye Little Club in Beverly Hills. I was brought there by a woman named Judy Vallon, who was um, kind of a, uh, um, a cabaret singer. Her, her mother wrote special material for her. Special name. material by my mother. Judy Vallon. Judy, isn't that the best yeah, name? Yeah, it's so good. She took me to the Ye Little Club after seeing me do little comedy bits in my living room for my friends <laughs> when I first moved to L.A. in the mid-'70s. And I just, I had no I, real idea what I was going to do. I just knew that I was going to be a performer and an entertainer. And I always was funny and, and could sing and do what I do. So I put together these little rudimentary like jokes and pieces. And so she took me to the Eat Little Club, which was on Cannon Drive. And um, she had already prepped Paul Mooney and my friend Lotus Weinstock, who they both were my mentors in the very early years that I was coming. And they were like totally blown away by me. I was very, you know, confident and um, and strange and, and I guess sort of, you know, exotic in those days. And Mooney came over and said, Bernhard, you're a cigarette come to life. They're going to put you through hell in a pair of kerosene drawers. But you're going to make it and you're going to be a supermodel. You'll model and you'll do everything you always dreamed of. And I said, no, it'll never happen. He goes, it will. And he started mentoring me and, you know, taking me to all the clubs. Um, the, um, what was the club? What was the club that we used to go to all the time on, in, on Crenshaw? The Parisian Room? The Parisian Room. The Parisian Room. With Cardilla de Milo. Come on. Yeah. Things yeah. Our way. We did things our way all the time, darling. Yes. 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 The Parisian Room. <laughs> Which I just found out Carmilla de Milo was an actual person. Yes. I was blown away by that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you become a regular at the comedy store. Well, yeah, we're skimping ahead yeah, pretty we quickly are because, ahead. I mean, which is fine because you can't, I mean, I'm not going to take you through every step of the way. But simultaneously, while I was performing at night, I was also a manicurist in Beverly Hills. Yeah. 351 North Cannon. Okay. That's right. See a hair salon. I could never do the nails you have. That well, was, that didn't are, exist in those days. These are press-ons, baby. 
Are they? Yes. Well, they're really cute. Aren't they good? They're really good. Now we've come a long way. Yeah. yeah. But, but now it's nail art. Back oh, yeah. Then it was oh, yeah. just like, you know, you just did a manicure. And Maybe a, a French manicure. No, 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 no. There were Not no French. No. What? No. They, they, we did with Juliet's. When people's nails were weak, you'd wrap them with, with cloth or like little paper around the tips to strengthen them with crazy glue as if that's going <laughs> to help you help the, the integrity and health of your nail. Yeah. Right? Yikes. So how do you be crazy? Anyway, so I started, you know, performing at various open mic places, you know, around L.A. Right. And then within about two years, that's when I started becoming a a semi-regular at the comedy store and the improv. So what was your act like back then? Well, I did a lot of stuff about fashion, which, you know, I always did. You know, I would um, I'd read from Women's Wear Daily um, I would, you know, talk about Marilyn Monroe and, and Jackie Kennedy, and I used to put on a long pair of white gloves and do my impression of, you know, you know, glamorous women, and it was all about glamour and and fun and 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 sophistication and beauty, way before anybody would ever have ever even dreamt it up. You right. Know? Uh, hello. Yes. What did this audience at the Parisian room think about? Ms. Oh, they, they love me. I mean, you know, I was because first place, you know, I could be a little bit black, you know. I'm, I'm I guess I am certainly in my soul, but you know, if you just looked at me, you know, when I was like twenty, twenty one, I looked like I, you know, had a little black in me. Yes, and so the kids always love me, and and they love my authenticity and my honesty, right, and my openness. And obviously, if a white girl comes down to Crenshaw. And they already know. They already know that you know, when you walk in with Paul Mooney, you've been, you know, blessed. Anointed. Anointed. <laughs> Hello. But you're not going to be some, you know, you're not going to sit around like, you know, Pat Nixon. Right. <laughs> you know, give, right. throwing shade at the, at the, the, at the children. Yes. They'll, they'll invite you to leave. Oh, very quickly. quickly. With uh-huh. a quickness. Yeah. So in 1977, you become a cast member with uh, on the Richard Pryor show. That's right. Tell us your experience with that and with, you know, and working with such an iconic figure as Mr. Pryor? Well, you know, he was very um, supportive of young talent, which, you know, was one of his great attributes. He um, he enjoyed funny people. He su- supported and encouraged people. So it was, you know, but he was also going through a lot of stuff because he always was, you know. Yeah. He was a highly sensitive, emotional person, yeah. as as only the ultra-talented people are, you know. Absolutely. And also, again, you know, we're talking about he came up in the 60s and 70s and, you know, in a very racially divided, you know, society. He was a superstar and he had things that he hid. He had, you know, all sorts of stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And, you know, there was there was no place to really turn to in those days for a person who was as diverse emotionally and and talent wise as he was right. so i think that the drugs you know really were sort of the escape for him absolutely so the show which is extraordinary that it ever got yeah. to series yeah i mean even based on the special was i know out of control right the skit that you're in let's talk about the sketch for a minute <laughs> He gets pulled into this writer's room yeah. with these mili- this staff by all these militant brothers. Yeah, the, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. The, and the SLA. And, 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 yeah. The SLA. And, and you. Right. And, and yes. Sandra. <laughs> and it, they're like, you're going to, you know, this is what you're going to give him the script. And he's like, but is it funny? And he's like, they're like, yeah, man, you know, we got a white woman being, you're going to smack her upside the head and knock her to the ground. And they're like, you're not going to change anything. And they, here's Sandra. 
Right on, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, it's kind of amazing that that ever, you know, this ever got, you know, produced, exi- that it exists. At 8 p.m. on NBC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, it is. It's it's really, well, it was it was a, a watershed, you know, for, for our culture. Absolutely. But he couldn't, he didn't like it. He didn't like being told what he couldn't and couldn't do, you know, and eventually it was just like, he imploded. He didn't. He wanted out of it. Right. So I don't know where I don't know where we would have gone with it, but I'm sure it would have been, you know, would have broken even deeper into you know, the the, the conversations. Yeah. So I mean, you're at the you know at the feet of these people doing. These, I mean, in the show, there's there's this sort of line. You know, the line between what's funny and what's serious. There's a a point in the special where. Maya Angelou is just this whole meditation on the word nigga. I mean, it's like, wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of speechless. Even more now because we've sort of come this into this strange netherland in with race conversations. Yep. Because we've come through the emotion, we've come through the fight, we've come through the loss, we've come through Martin Luther King, and you know. Um, we just lost so many people and and then we've had to like pull ourselves back together and now there just seems to be a, a strange it's just where where is it really at you right now post um obama yes you know and i mean it's, it's such a backlash to it all but there'll be there'll be a backlash to the backlash well you were dealing with these themes like in without you i'm nothing like yes in a major way right so the first song in the movie is nina simone's four women yes the first no, out of you. Yeah. The first line out of your mouth is "My skin is black." Yeah, <laughs> and then you do this whole song about these black female archetypes, right? Right. <laughs> in full African garb, yes. headdress. Uh-huh. I mean, it's extraordinary. And then at the end, you throw your hands up like, "Yes," waiting for the wave of admiration <laughs> and you're admiration. So pr- you're so pleased with yourself <laughs> as the black audience looks at me yeah. like. Like, mortified I lost I've lost my mind well that was that was the whole kind of genius of, and the conceit of the of the film was to just say you know the delusional white lady right yeah you know, and what a perfect statement absolutely I mean and throughout the film what and also the, just how many as we talk about constantly the appropriation yes of yes. the white performers and not really acknowledging it or understanding it right and with without the great black performers, there would be no entertainment business. Yes. You know, and there'd be no music. Right. I mean, you play with it just as you use the word genius, which I will co-sign. Well, in such I a- won't say genius. <laughs> I'll just say that it was groundbreaking. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm very proud of it. And I'm glad that I've been able to, you know, shine a light on how incredibly inspired I've been by the black, you know, experience and at the same time, um, have a reverence for it and a respect for it. And you've and been very vocal about it since the very beginning. Yeah, since right. The very beginning. I mean, and it- well, you know, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, until I was ten, and right. you know, there, you know, I just guess I was just I just was born with an with with empathy. And when you have empathy, and you look around and you see people struggling and suffering, and people who are so beautiful and soulful and interesting. You know, it gets it gets under your skin and it gets it gets into your DNA. And that's just how I grew up. But that's what's so special about you. And when you do um, when you do me and Mrs. Jones, 
as you said, there's a reverence for it. You, you're first of all, you're you know, you don't darken your skin. No, it's your hair. Yeah. It's you, but you're obviously this black woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, 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 yes, I'm, I'm embodying, you know, the the black woman and her experience, and still, you know, and acknowledging what what what's going on. One hundred percent. It's a, it's a funny line to walk, and you know, at the time, it wasn't as controversial as it might have been now to do something like that that's right because people are so ginned up and the kids are so sensitive and they don't really have as much sense of irony right right so you think it would be received differently today yeah i just don't i don't even think i don't even think i would have done that today Ah, i mean because it's just the world looks at things so differently you know so i'm glad that i got to do so much of my you know initial kind of building in this business at a different time. Well, even with the reviews, when people talk about the show, I, lo- I went back and looked at some of the reviews as people kind of don't touch it, the race stuff. Or it's like, oh, it's the show's, uh, you know, Arsenio Hall, when you're on Arsen- Arsenio uh-huh. Hall, he referred to the show as bizarre. And I'm like, uh-huh. no, my brother. Well, I mean, I'm it's not get, bizarre. Arsenio, get into these themes. He's yeah. not one of our, he's not going to be breaking shit down, you know, right. sociologically. <laughs> we need to go to Arsenio for, for our great, you know, Social critique. Yes. No, no. As much as we adore him. Well, we brought up Arsenio. Let's talk about another late night host, which yes. a lot of us know, you know, really first came to know you on The David Letterman appearance. Right. Yeah. You yeah. first appeared on David Letterman in 1983. Yes. I think it was your first Promoting one. the king of comedy. That's yes. right. Yes. The first of 29 Actually, 30. 30. Really? I did. I only perform, I only went on his show once when he moved to CBS. Oh, okay. The other okay. 29 were over at uh, NBC when the show was really at its best. More than Fit. any other Revolutionary, in, yeah. in crazy. Oh, yeah. Broke all the, the norms, you know. I mean, it was... And when I came on, I felt like it was some of the, the most open and funny he ever let himself be. Well, he just oh, let yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, when mm-hmm. you know of these segments, it's like you got six minutes and it's all these yeah. kind of pre... You talk about these stories that you're going to come on with that maybe you've talked about before and you're just like... I blew that out of the What's water up? every right. time. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, no, we're going to stay in the moment yeah. and really, you know, go crazy here and have fun because it's, you know, why not? Yes. That's, what, that's just, it's the closest thing to live performing. To, let's just make it happen. That's right. Yeah. And you could tell he was beside himself yeah. with joy. I mean... Yeah, well, sometimes I think he felt a little threatened by it, but but that's okay. I think was he was good a, for him. a little bit irritated when you pretty much made out with him. The Madonna show, when you brought Madonna yes. on. Yeah. yeah. He was like, okay, Sandra. But then like six months later, you were back on the show. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. He got pissed off at me a few times, but that's okay. <laughs> it, was all, it was all a little hard for him to, to wrap his mind around. Oh, it was a lot. I mean, you're a white man, A white man from Indiana. <laughs> but do you think his him being a comic too, he would let that sort of, you know, slide well yeah i think ultimately he knew it was good for the show yeah. right because i mean any actress can come on and sit there and talk about her project right. and just paint by numbers right. right you know you want somebody who comes on and really yeah i mean sometimes you know, you would takes, come on. takes it to the next <laughs> yeah. level yeah i mean sometimes you would come on he'd be like hey aren't you doing whatever what have <laughs> yeah, you yeah. like yeah anyway so exactly. what yeah. about this i've never been very good at promoting myself <laughs> yeah that's you're really, literally like it's yeah, not no. my thing it really is not my thing at all in 1983, you were cast uh, uh, in The King of Comedy. Right. And uh, you won the uh, National Society of Film Critics Award for Best Supporting Actress. Right. How exactly. was it working with that 
crew start Scorsese, De Niro, Jerry Lewis. Oh, it was great. I felt right at home, and I felt like that was where I belonged. Because I think when you, well, I mean, of course, I'd already worked with Richard Pryor. You know, when right. you work with the best performers and writers, your your game is always going to elevate. Yeah. And, um, and when you're working with people who are insecure and not very talented, it drags you down because they're, you know, threatened and and it just doesn't, it doesn't click. Yeah. So you always want to be with the best people. You don't always get to be, but when you are, it's it, you see the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you know Letterman from the comedy store? Uh-huh, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And who were your contemporaries then? Who else was around? I mean, everybody. Arsenio, Jay Leno, Robin Williams. God, there's so many people. I, the list goes on and on. Well, what was it like for you just being in this boys' club? I mean, were, were there any other well, There were women. That, yeah, well, yeah, there were, you know, but nobody, like, who really ever, like, beside me who made it up to, to the level that I did at yeah. that time. Um and, the, you know, it was like, it was hard because for most women, you know, they were sort of ghettoized, you know, up in the belly room. And for yeah. me, that worked because it gave me a chance to really fully develop my style and, and f- with, without anybody s- hanging over me like Mitzi Shore and any oh, of those people. Mitzi, did she have advice for you? Oh, sure. Mitzi had advice. <laughs> what did she tell you? I, you know, I don't remember. I never listened, so I can't. <laughs> I was just going to say, did you ever listen? No. <laughs> you must have been like, yeah, girl, I got this, though. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. That's <laughs> so true. Okay, let's, we have to talk about the ending of Without You, I'm Nothing. Yes. You're playing for this predominantly black audience who mm-hmm. has just had it with you by yeah. that point. Uh-huh. You come out of the end and it draped in an American flag. Yeah. I live. You d- and say everything I've told you is a lie. So you're just like, ugh, you know what, white lady. <laughs> and then you whip that off. You have pasties and a uh, g-string yeah. and proceed to go into a whole dance routine to Little Red Corvette. Right. And I mean, the whole the whole dang song. The song. whole song. Yeah. I know it's audacious. <laughs> Not a snippet. No, no, baby. I through the whole. Yeah, song yeah, too. of course. Yes, I took it way out there. You took it way out there, and at the end, so the final audience member who we've seen woven throughout the film yes. played by Cynthia Bailey this Cynthia black Bailey, woman yeah. writes fuck you Sandra Bernhardt uh-huh. on the table yeah, and she walks out into into the light so what was that about well the black woman had the last word okay that's what I'm saying hello yeah yeah, yeah. how did you start the collaboration with John Boscovich he co-wrote and directed the, the I stage m- show, I met him right? through and my girlfriend at the time and John would come over and well, actually I go to John's house. We'd sit around the pool and we just start we just start talking about, you know, songs, ideas. And then he met this man right here, Mitch Kaplan. Hey, Mitch Hi, Kaplan, hey. my yeah. musical director. And then we just started putting the show together at Mitch's apartment in, in Hollywood. And we came up with songs and John said, you should do me and Mrs. Jones. And we'd work for like hours all day long writing material, fine tuning it. And before we knew it, we had a whole show. We had Without You, I'm Nothing, the stage show. Right. Which we um, did in a few places and then, of course, did off-Broadway at the Orpheum Theater for six months. Honey, the children are calling. I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't care. It's your <laughs> podcast. Oh, God. Nothing bothers me. It's fine. It's me. Of course it's me. Yeah. I mean, I can see. Are you too. calling you? No. It's my, my daughter. For real? Yeah. How old's your daughter? Nine. 
A little cancer too. Uh, we got my listen. daughter's a cancer. I know. Yeah. I just heard that. So listen, what we need to start a club because it's like going oh, through honey. a war. Oh, with you don't know. Cancers, it, don't, it, only, it only gets worse. <laughs> no, no, don't. I uh, know. It is. Don't say that. Oh, and she's a real, she's a real. You know, she she knows everything about you know what's woke and right. You know, oh, she's yeah. a senior in college. And I think if she, I don't, I don't even know if she's ever seen without you. I'm nothing. I don't know if she would get it, but you know, she's like, "Mom, you can't say things like that. Mom, you can't do this." And, my, I, and I say, "I can do whatever the fuck I want to do." Oh okay, my God, let me introduce you to person. some of, of the people who you know would explain it to you. Yeah, you know. Okay. I may have to have like a little bit of a you know a conference a with sit you down. and my daughter. Sit down yeah. with my daughter so she understands who her mother is. Oh no! Come Somebody asked me. And don't give me the hard times. <laughs> So I told uh, my friend Raphael that uh, we were coming to speak to you today, and Raphael danced for you on one of your tours. Okay. And he has a picture. He said he sent me this picture. He said, "Please Let show me see. Sandra." So yeah, uh, they were all in drag with the silver bodysuits. No, I'm wigs. wondering where that was. Do you remember where that was, Mitchie? Yeah, that was in Hollywood, what is now the Henry Fonda Theater. What, and what show was, was this? that? Giving till it hurts. Antin. Yeah, it was giving um, till it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I, saw, I saw that one. And that's what else I tried to explain to my daughter. I said, don't talk to me about, you know, uh, queer, you know, uh, whatever the thing is now. Yeah. She's like, listen, mom. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I thought you were a queer advocate. I was like, sister, don't even. <laughs> don't <laughs> even. Do you know uh, me at all? Yeah. No, she doesn't. Uh. So just beware of the Cancerians. Oh, honey. no, I get I'm it. She's you. already, somebody asked me, did your daughter know how cool you are? I was like, what? Yeah. Are you no, serious? No, they won't. They won't <laughs> give it up. They will not give it up. Okay, so speaking of queer, yes. pose. Yes. Nurse Judy. Yes. Fabulous. Thank you. So what is it like being, you know, so much of your work has been the solo work or with a band and doing right. your own thing. And now you're part of this. Ensemble. Huge ensemble. Well, it's it's fantastic. And I mean, in the first place, it takes a lot of pressure off of somebody like me because you know I'm so I'm constantly writing, yeah, putting shows together, you know, stating my opinion and my point of view. And sometimes I mean, it, you know, it gets a little exhausting. Yeah. Um. So it's nice just to show up on the set, and also be surrounded by young, talented, you know, passionate, passionate people. Um. And it's great. It's fantastic. And of course, it's uh, uh, groundbreaking. And it's also kind of amazing because, of course, you know, we're in the time where I was doing all my work and right. so many friends were dying of AIDS. And here I am now playing a nurse during that time. It's just this weird, fascinating, full circle exper experience for me. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of emotions. And of course, you know, back in the day, Anybody who was trans would be completely pushed off to the, you know, the sidelines. They would never have been able to be in a mainstream show like this. So it, it does show you how far we've come culturally. And that's an exciting thing for everybody. And you get to sing. Oh, well, I know. That was, you know, of course, fabulous. And, and another Prince song. Yes. Yeah. Long time. Now, how did you get to, Prince is notorious with not letting, you know, being possessive about his music yeah how did you get little red corvette I, do, you, do you know how we got the rights for that mitch i don't, actually. I, I don't think he i don't i just think he thought it was fine he liked you know i think he he knew that i was respectful and got his work and probably just said yeah great i i, I just wasn't and i don't think it was ever an issue which is kind of amazing yeah 
And now on Pose. Not that I think about it. Yeah, it yeah. really is. I mean, you don't see his songs in movies no. ever. No. And then sometimes it snows in April. Yeah. Yeah. You do that also in your live shows, I, I right? have do, I have done that as my second encore many times. Um, How do you choose your music, what music to sing? Because we just heard your sound check. And we heard, you know, across 110th uh, across Street, right? 110th Street, yeah, yeah. And then you know, what's in keeping with you know, yeah, my whole my what sort of. What inspires you musically? What? Well, you know, I, I, lots of different things. You know, first place I want to be able to, you know, do a, a, you know, do justice to a song and do it in a way that. I know I can bring something new to it, and it has to move me. And even if it's sort of a trashy song, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. There's, there's, it has sort of a, you know, a, an emotional effect, you know. And that's the, those are the songs that speak to me. Right. All right. I know we don't have much time. I wish I had more time. I'm I so, I, you know, we'll, we'll do this again when I don't have to walk on stage. So okay. Last cool. two hours. You were a fashion. I mean, you're a fashion darling. Yes. You know, relationships with Marc Jacobs and all that. And you were also signed to a fashion agency at uh, one point, weren't you? Oh, right. yeah. I was yeah. Re I was represented by a couple of different, you know, fashion. But, you know, I mean, most, most of the stuff that I've done that's been around modeling or, you know, or, or just part of, like, a campaign, it's just been the personal relationships. And Marc Jacobs was always a fan. And, of course, Andre Leontali. Yes. Brought me into the whole world in Paris with 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 um, Karl Lagerfeld and and um, Comme des Garcons just kind of came together. I don't I don't remember somebody like thought I that, that Ray Kubakawa would get a kick out of me and <laughs> so she put me in her show. So I mean everything just happened because because people were fans of mine and thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do have, you know, the body to, to pull off clothes. Come on now, body. Hey. Ooh, body. <laughs> we just saw you uh, at a show in New York with Naomi and Jose. Yes. How was that night? Was it a good night for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the fun. And I'm doing it again. Um, I'm doing it again this year with um, with, with Andre again. Awesome. Andre Lantale, Mr. Tale. Mr. Tale. We love Mr. Tale. Isn't he the best? Yeah, he's so, he has he's a book best. coming out. A new book. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You should got you guys should talk to him. Absolutely. We love the documentary. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. awesome. And last question. I keep going back to that night. I think it was a club. It's called Club Louis. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. We went out. You were there. Yeah. Other people. Yeah. Wink, wink with Every time I'm just looking at you, it just takes me right back to that night. There was also another night where. We were celebrating uh, one of your girlfriend's birthdays, and it was at a house up in the hills. It was just a really small, intimate dinner. Yes. And um, yeah, you were around for whatever. a lot of fun moments. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but no, but but you know, ab above and beyond the people, and yeah. you know the implications. Uh, right. You know, um, things are so different. And it's so funny because. You know, there's only a very few pictures that exist from that time, photos, and it just goes to show you how different it is. Because as many times as I was out and about, you know, people just weren't people yeah. didn't come Whipping up with a camera, phones. Right. Well, there were no phones. Exactly. There was right. nothing. It's incredible because so little exists from that time, and I there's something so wonderful about it because you you got to remember things, yeah. and there were little there were little snapshots of your emotions and what you experienced in those moments instead of this sort of just like 
toss away disposable yeah. society yeah. we live in where it's nothing has any meaning. Yeah, like right. everybody's a star and everybody's you know yeah. an influencer and it's like no you're not and you got to slow the shit down. Right. That's always my advice to my daughter and to everybody just like disconnect from that and be in the moment and really experience what's in front of you because your mind has to absorb it and it, and we're not meant to like it's it's too disruptive to the psyche. Absolutely. And it's the moments that you reconnect with people and remember how you met someone that really have the, the long-lasting impact and, and emotion that means something to just day-to-day life, let alone being an artist or somebody who is really, you know, reflecting what's going on in culture. Ooh, that is a word. Come on now. Go ahead, well, Sage, thank you, Sandra. thank you, right? <laughs> Well, I wanted to I wanted to give you something because I I would have given you a lot more, but now I'm going to rest my voice, put yes. my set list together. Yeah, we'll be there. Good. We're going to see the show. Great. Yes. Good. Ow. Yeah. We appreciate your time. I love Thank it. You. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. Thank you.